Hey, welcome to the Steamboat Christian Center podcast, where our greatest goal is to love God and love people. If you would like more information about our church, please visit us on social media or at steamboat.church. We're so glad you joined us today. Let's jump into this week's message. Welcome, everyone. Thanks for joining us this weekend. Uh, Speaking of weekend, we are one week away from having in-person services here at the Christian Center, and I can't tell you how excited we are to see you and your families here live. So uh, thanks for joining us today. Um, Over the last few weeks, if if you haven't been with us, we've been trying to answer a very difficult question, and the question is very simply this. What do you do when there's nothing you can do? What do you do? I, uh, what do you do if you're in a situation or maybe in a season in life where you can't really go forward and you can't really go back? It may be a, a relational issue, you know, maybe your marriage is kind of not all that great right now and uh, it's not really going anywhere and, uh, you know, and it's not getting any better, but you don't want to have, you don't want to get divorced, you want to give up on it. So what do you do? Maybe it's financial. Maybe, uh, you know, uh, things haven't worked out for you this last year, and financially, it's really tough. And the only option you have is is a very long, hard road with a lot of work, and even then, you're not going to kind of get back to where you were. What do you do in that situation? Or maybe it's a health issue. Maybe, uh, you, you know, the doctor has kind of told you, hey, you've got this thing, uh, you've got this issue, and it's not going to go away. What do you do in those kind of situations? Well, I'll tell you, um, you know, one of the things that we're tempted to do is to run <laughs> or to give up or to hide, you know, and that's not good. Uh, maybe you might be tempted to do something stupid, you know, start drinking yourself into oblivion or just getting high all the time and trying to escape from it. But, but you know, that doesn't help either. That just makes things worse. Um, one of the things that we do, and, and, and it's interesting, is that I, when we find ourselves in these kind of seasons, it's really easy for us to look around and look at the people around us and compare our lives to them and just get the sense that everybody's life is perfect. Everyone else's life is wrinkle-free and problem-free, and we're like, why is this happening to me? And we become bitter and maybe even resentful. And so that's not good. But one of the things that we can do that is helpful that when we're going through troubles is to remember this, that, that the men and women that are in the Bible, uh, these people were not uh, uh, adverse, uh, were not strangers to adversity. <laughs> they knew troubles. Uh, in fact, when you read their stories, you realize that uh, conflict and uh, persecution <laughs> and troubles were just a normal part of their everyday lives. And, and, and I don't know what's happened, but somehow, some way, uh, you know, our American way of life has caused you and I to uh, lose sight of the suffering that many of our Bible heroes actually had to endure. We've just kind of lost sight of that. And so we, we've kind of sanitized and romanticized our faith to the point that you know, trials and troubles and, and tribulations that come into our life, we automatically conclude that God has abandoned us, that he's left us. Where are you, God, right? Um, and, and we seem confused and may, uh, by this contradiction about this idea that God is good and yet uh, there are, there's the presence of troubles and afflictions in our life. We can't kind of connect those two. But the people who brought us the story of Jesus, the people who brought us the Gospels, um, they were not confused by this. And they were not conflicted. And they, they didn't see any contradiction in the fact that their lives were full of troubles and trials. And yet they continued to still put their faith and their trust in God. 
In fact, um, we saw this last week play out when we looked at the life of the Apostle Paul, the great Apostle Paul. And, uh, you know, if you don't know the story, Paul, God uh, handpicked Paul to take the gospel, the good news, uh, to the whole world, to take it from the Jewish culture and to take it all around the world. And, and so Paul basically single-handedly planted churches all over Asia and all over the Mediterranean. Not only that, Paul wrote about half of the New Testament, right? And so he did these incredible things, and yet Paul had a situation in his life that was, uh, you remember this, this, uh, this list here? It was painful, right? It was humiliating, it was debilitating, and it was permanent. Now, how could Paul reconcile that? God has called him to these great things that, 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 that he wants him to do, and yet these, these things are present in, in Paul's life. And, and, and Paul, here's the thing, he asked God to remove those things. He asked God to take this thing away. Three times he pleaded with him, and God said no. And you know what Paul did? He just kept right on trucking, man. He just kept on moving on. Somehow, for Paul, dealing with something that was painful and humiliating and debilitating and permanent, that didn't affect his trust in God. That didn't affect his faith in God. See, to Paul, there was no confusion. There was no contradiction. He was able to move forward and to do great things even when a part of his life was stuck and probably would never get better. That's, that's amazing. And you and I, we look at this today and we're like, how did Paul do that? How could he do that? Well, today, what I want to do is I want to look at Paul's secret to dealing with adversity. Paul had a secret in dealing with troubles and trials and tribulations in his life. And in fact, in one of his writings, Paul shares his thoughts on a word that, uh, you know what, we're, it's kind of foreign to us, especially here in America. And that word is contentment. Contentment. Right? I mean, we struggle with that, right, in America. And, and, and what is that? What is contentment? Well, contentment very simply is having the ability to, to be at peace on the inside, even when things are out of control on the outside. Contentment is uh, this ability to not, to not stress out and to not keep striving inside of you, even when externally everything is going crazy around you. Paul said this, that through Christ, through Christ, there is a way for you and I to achieve contentment, even when we feel discontented about things that are happening to us. Now, before I jump into that, I want to give you a little bit of background on Paul's life, because it'll help you uh, maybe believe some of the things that he's about to tell us here, and appreciate it a little bit more. So, the, the, the simple story is, is that Paul basically stepped onto the pages of history as a person who hated Christians. That, that was what he was known for. That was what he was famous for. In fact, if you, you're one of those people and you don't like Christians too much, you would, you would have loved Paul. I mean, you would have loved him. In fact, if you know a few Christians that you think should be put in jail, you really would have loved Paul because putting Christians in jail was Paul's favorite thing. He went all over the world trying to put and imprison Christians into jails. And, 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 and so, uh, but here's the thing. One day, and it was fascinating to the world, one day, Paul, this famous Christian arrester and persecutor and even murderer, decided to become a Christian himself. I mean, this blew everybody's mind. And then, as if that wasn't enough, he began traveling all over the world, telling anyone and everyone that he could that Jesus was the Son of God and that God had raised Jesus from the dead. 
Now, I just want you to know, that decision did not make Paul's life any easier. In fact, when he made that decision, his life got a lot harder and a lot more difficult. To, uh, Paul, in, his, in those next few years, Paul was beaten up. I mean, he had the stew beat out of him so many times, and he was uh, persecuted, and he was chased out of town and had to escape in the middle of the night to save his life, all right? In fact, it's interesting, about 10 years into this missionary endeavor, okay, Paul himself was put under arrest. He was put in jail while awaiting a trial in Rome. He was in Rome, and he was put under arrest. And, and you might know the story that the Roman emperor at this time was a guy by the name of Nero. Nero was a pretty nasty fella, and Nero had a very special place in his heart for Christian as well. He wanted to kill them all. He hated them, and he imprisoned them and, and tortured them and, and put them to death. In fact, there's stories about how he dipped Christians in hot wax and that he would hang them from trees, and then he would light them on fire to, to kind of be like torches in the uh, palace gardens as you walked around night, kind of like nightlights. He was using Christians for nightlights. This was brutal, brutal, brutal. And so here's Paul. He's a Christian, right? And he is under arrest in Rome, okay, awaiting trial before Nero. This is not a good combination for Paul. This is not going to end up good for him. Paul knows this. He knows that things are going to get worse for him. And in fact, it, it, the truth is, is that from the world's point of view, at this point in history, it was clear that the Roman Empire had won and that the kingdom of God had lost. It was very clear to everybody that Nero had won and that Jesus and Paul, they had lost. But here's the fascinating thing, and here's the really, really cool part, is that while Paul was under arrest, awaiting uh, to be put to death, okay, uh, he couldn't go anywhere, he couldn't do anything, Paul did something very simple, something very small, but incredibly remarkable. It, 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 now, I, I want you to understand, this, this situation that Paul was in, being under arrest, being in jail, couldn't have been easy for him. Um, Paul was a super ambitious guy. I mean, when he was a Pharisee, when he was a Jew, he was the greatest of them. He was super passionate. He was nutty. He would go all over, like I said, arresting Christians. And when he became a Christian, boy, he went all out on that. I mean, he wasn't one of those, oh, whatever, you know, okay, we'll just kind of go with the flow here, man. Paul was driven, he was passionate, and he had a huge vision for his life. And his vision was to take the gospel throughout the whole world, okay? That was his heart. And so Paul is sitting there in this jail cell, and he's got to be thinking to himself, you know, I've got all this time on my hands, you know, I've got nothing to do, you know, what can I do? And I think he kind of goes, you know what, I guess I could do, I guess I could maybe write a few letters to some of my friends. And so he began to write some letters. But little did Paul know <laughs> that these letters would become some of the most widely read and most widely translated pieces of literature in the history of literature. He had no idea. In Paul's mind, he's like, well, there's nothing I can do here. You know, I'm stuck. I can't, can't go forward, and I definitely can't go back. Might as well make the best of it. I think I'll write a few notes to some of my fellow Christians that I've met over the last few years. And here's the fascinating thing, that the letters that Paul wrote while he was in jail have become known in history as the prison epistles, the prison epistles, right? And, uh, and, these, and these are just basic, basically letters that he wrote to different churches, like the church in Ephesus has become known as the letter to the Ephesians, or the church in Philippi, he wrote a letter to the Philippians, and, and Colossia, and he wrote these to Colossians and Philemon, which was a friend of his. 
And so these letters began to be spread all throughout the Mediterranean. And I just want you to understand this. In Paul's mind, he's just like, well, there's nothing else I can do. I'm just stuck here. Uh, you know, I can't do much, so I might as well write. I guess I could write a letter, right? But in reality, Paul was changing the world with these letters. I mean, he was literally uh, changing people's uh, uh, view of who God was through these letters. He, he, these letters that he wrote, I mean, this is fascinating, would ultimately lead to the demise of the Roman Empire. These letters were spread throughout the Roman Empire, and about a hundred years later, okay, about a century later, uh, boy, uh, the, the emperor of Rome was Nero. He hated Christians. About 200 years later, as these letters got spread all over Europe, <laughs> Constantine rose up, and he made Christianity the official religion of Rome. It flipped it upside down. In fact, I would suggest to you that uh, what Paul wrote would become so well-read and so uh, treasured that I could argue that besides Jesus, Paul did more to, to do to change Western and shape Western civilization than anything else or anybody else, all the way up to probably the printing press, right? I mean, that really changed. Well, back 1450, Gutenberg developed the printing press. This is fascinating. And the first book that he printed, guess what it was? The Bible, which contained these letters that were written by Paul while he was in prison hundreds of years before. It's just mind-blowing. It's incredible. And, 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 and the thing that's even crazier is that what are the odds that these little letters that Paul wrote would survive history? I mean, uh, kings uh, would uh, write, emperors would write letters, and, and they would be saved and all of that and be passed around. And we don't have many of those. I mean, emperors would write letters that uh, they wanted to, to be taken uh, for posterity's sake and to remember the history of what they did, and they'd be put away in vaults, and there would be many copies made. And we don't have any of those. History has not preserved those. And yet here we have Paul writing a letter, handing it to some servant, and saying, hey, would you send this through a ship somehow to Ephesus? One copy! And thousands of years later, we're still reading these letters. This is, this is crazy. Maybe you're not as impressed with this as I am. Maybe, maybe well, let me give you one more. Ladies, okay, I'll, uh, this is fascinating. In one of the letters that Paul wrote while he was in prison, the book of Ephesians, uh, Paul uh, said something that was just absolutely groundbreaking in, in relation to relationships between men and women. He said this. He said, husbands, love your wives. In fact, love your wives just as Jesus loved the church. What did he do? Jesus laid down his life for her, and you should do the same for your wives. Come on, gals. Aren't you glad that God put Paul in a jail cell and gave him a pen and said, hey, write something, boy. That stuff is gold. That is gold. That has changed the world. And so what I want you to just understand here is that a big chunk of the New Testament was written by Paul while he was stuck in a place that he didn't want to be. And this is my point. This is my point. Paul had no idea. Paul had no idea what hung in the balance with his decision to remain faithful when remaining faithful was really difficult to do. Let me repeat that. Paul had no idea what was hanging in the balance with his decision to remain faithful when remaining faithful was difficult. I mean, think about this a little bit here. 
the reason, one of the reasons that Paul was able to achieve what he did was because of his adversity, not in spite of it. In fact, God put him in a jail cell to unleash something on the world. I mean, the adversity that Paul faced and the, and the trials that he endured and the pain that he experienced created the opportunity for Paul to literally change the world. This is amazing. And in the same way, I would suggest to you that you and I today have no idea, have no idea of what or even who hangs in the balance of our decision to stay faithful, even when staying faithful isn't easy to do. We have no idea what's on the other side of this. You have no idea what God might be up to through your faithfulness when everyone and everything around you is telling you to give up on your faith and to give up on God and just to go and run and hide and, 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 and let it go. You have no idea. And here's the problem. You will never know. You'll never know. You'll never know what will happen unless you stick with it while you're stuck in it. You'll never know. And I just want you to understand this, that we talked about this the last couple of weeks. Contrary to popular opinion, um, when we're stuck, God isn't absent. God isn't apathetic. And God isn't angry. The truth is, is that God is at work. God is at work. He's doing something in us and through us that he couldn't have done any other way. We have to believe that. And so, it's in one of these letters, uh, the, the letters to the Philippian church, the Philippians, that Paul talks about this issue of contentment and how to find it in your life. I want you to remember, again, Paul, right now, at this time, when he's writing this, he's under house arrest, okay? He is going to face Nero, and execution is probably the end result. Paul isn't 100% sure what's going to happen, but he knows that it's probably not going to change. It's not going to get better for him. But what he does in the midst of that, that trial, he writes down this huge, big, bold statement that doesn't make sense to a lot of us. And it didn't make sense to some of the people that he wrote it to. He writes down this huge statement to his friends in Philippi. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 10, he kind of goes into this. He says this. He starts off and he says, I rejoice in the Lord greatly because once again you have renewed your care for me. In fact, the truth is, is that you are always concerned about me, but you lack the opportunity to show it. Now let me explain what he's kind of saying here. Paul had been arrested, right? And, 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 and he was arrested in Rome, and news traveled slowly back then, right? And so it took a long time for the people in Philippi to hear that Paul was in trouble. And as soon as they heard it, they did some, they gathered together some stuff, and they put together a care package, and they had it shipped back to Paul, who was in Rome. Well, meanwhile, Paul's just rotten in a cell, rotten in this place, and all of a sudden he gets his care package, and he's like, whoa, you guys didn't forget me. This is awesome. You guys sent me a care package. Thank you. Now, you might wonder what was in the care package, you know, and, and people have talked about it. Maybe some scrolls, you know, that Paul could read. Could be maybe some video games. I don't know. Probably a cloak, some sort of coat to keep him warm. It was cold, you know, but uh, 
All of those things, didn't matter what those things, Paul was super grateful for this package that came to him. But here's the thing. He uses this, this event as a launching pad to talk to these guys about a bigger issue that he wanted to talk to them about, contentment. Now look at this. This is brilliant. He says, I am not saying this because I am in need. Now, let me just stop there. In other words, what he is saying is, is I, I, I'm glad that you remembered me. I really am. And I'm glad that you sent me this, this uh, care package, and I'm really thankful for it. But I'm not telling you that. Don't get me wrong. I'm not telling you that I'm thankful for it because I'm afraid or because I'm stressed out or because I'm freaking out because of my situation. That's not why I'm saying this. I am not saying this because I am in need. I am in need. For I have learned. Now, Paul, Paul think about that. In other words, I have done, gone through a little bit of life here. In other words, I've learned something. It didn't come naturally to me. It wasn't instinctive to me. I had to process, and it took time. And I have learned something. What have you learned? I have learned to be content in whatever the circumstances. I have learned to be content. I have learned to not let troubles and trials drag me down. I have learned not to let problems stress me out. I've, I've learned not to allow persecutions cause me to want to give up. I have learned to do that. I have learned to be content in every situation. Now, this is magic to me because when I read that, I don't know about you, but when I read that statement, I'm like, I want to learn that. <laughs> that can be taught. I would love to have that. I just thought people were naturally cool under pressure and that's just the way you're born. But Paul said I could, it, you could be learned, it could be taught. And if there's a way for me to be okay on the inside when everything on the outside of me is falling apart, man, sign me up for that class. Show me how to do that, Paul, please, right? And especially when you feel stuck. Especially when you're in that place where there's nothing left you can do, when there's no way forward and there's no way back. Wouldn't it be great if you were in one of those situations that you could at least be able to go, <sighs> Okay, I'm okay, I'm okay, I am content, I'm content. Now, not, oh, oh, whatever, or, oh gosh, oh, you know, oh well, or oh, I gotta forget what I'm going through, I don't wanna act like it's real. No, 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 that's not what Paul is saying, and that's not how Paul was. Paul wasn't like that. Paul was a man of extremes. I mean, this guy was hot or cold. When he was a Pharisee and a Jew, he was the greatest, most passionate Jew there was. And when he became a Christian, man, it, you know, he was, he was all the way on that. I mean, when he was a Pharisee, he was out to kill all the Christians. And when he became a Christian, he began to win the world. He wanted to win everyone to the Lord. That was how he was. And so Paul would say, in spite of my personality, and in spite of my circumstances that I'm going through, I have learned to be content. I have learned to be content. I'm okay with the things that I can't change. Verse 12, he goes on. He says something. He says, I know what it is to be in need. I've experienced that. And I also know what it is to have plenty. This is interesting. Uh, Paul would say, you know what? There have been times in my life when I've had much more than I needed. But here's the thing I didn't do. I didn't get addicted to that. I didn't get addicted to having more. Why? So that when... I was in need, I wouldn't be all that unhappy, right? I wouldn't be unhappy, I'd be fine. Having a lot, I wasn't going to allow having a lot to steal my contentment when I had just a little. This is brilliant. And so then Paul says something, and I, I just love this. This is the setup. He says, listen, I have learned the secret. 
I have learned a secret. That, in other words, not everybody knows this. I have learned something. And the secret of, of being content in every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or living in want. Now, I can imagine when the Philippians opened this letter and began reading it, they get to this part and they're like, oh, man, Paul, tell us, please tell us the secret to being content in every circumstance. And we trust that you know what you're talking about because you have been to hell and back, man. You have been snake bitten. You've been shipwrecked. You've been beaten up in every town that you visited. And those are just the good days. I mean, like today, you're in prison in Rome awaiting to get your head cut off. Paul, what is the secret to finding contentment? How do you do this? And in the next verse, Paul tells us the secret. Now, before I share it with you, I just want to make this statement. This next verse that I'm going to read to you is one of the most famous uh, uh, Christian verses in the Bible, okay? But it's also one of the most misused verses in the Bible. And, and, I, and I say that uh, because this verse is, is so easy and it is so simple uh, to memorize that unfortunately it often gets misapplied and, and used out of context. And so before I read this, I want to remind you of what the context of what Paul is saying here. The context of this verse is that right now, what we're going to read here in a second, this is the Apostle Paul's summary on how to find contentment in the midst of a chaotic and even a life-threatening situation. That's what he's talking about. So the Philippians are like, Paul, tell us how to find contentment that you're talking about. And in verse 13 of chapter 4 of Philippians, Paul said, I can do all this. What, 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 what is this, Paul? Well, I can, I can be beat up. I can uh, be persecuted. I can be stoned to death. I can be run out of town. I can be put in a jail in Rome waiting my execution and not be stressed out and not give up and not go, Nero is my Lord, and, and, and capitulate. I can do all of this, right? What can you do? I can do all of this, Paul says, through Christ. Through Christ, who gives me strength. Now, I am absolutely positive. Paul says that Christ is giving him strength. He's not speaking figuratively here. He's not like, well, I have some hope, and it's going to get me through. I believe that Paul is talking literally. In fact, if I could change this, I think Paul would say, I can do all of this through Christ, who gives me strength. His strength, who gives me his strength, his power, his ability to endure, and his ability to overcome any obstacle that this world throws at him. And the reason I'm sure that Paul meant this, and that's what he's talking about, is because in other letters that Paul wrote, Paul talked a little bit about this mystery. We're talking about a secret here, but Paul talked about this mystery, and I love it. This mystery. Paul said that there is a mystery for Christians. There's a mystery for believers where the life of Jesus and the power of Jesus and the strength of Jesus and the endurance of Jesus is available to us through Christ. That the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is inside of us. Paul said, I can do all of this. I can go through all of this suffering, all of this heartbreak, all of this loneliness. I can do all of that through Christ 
who literally gives me his strength. Wow, wow. Now, I just want to stop here for a minute, and I want to just clarify a little bit, and I want to be a tiny bit critical, because um, let me tell you what Paul is not talking about, all right? He is not talking about this. Uh, and, there, and there's nothing super wrong about this. This is pretty sweet. This is nice. This is a, clearly a Christian high school, and, and they're having a football game, and the cheerleaders made a big banner for the football team that's going to make their entrance onto the football field to play this game, right? But I imagine that when Paul looks down at this from heaven, he's like, <laughs> really? Really? Because that's not quite what I meant. I wrote these words while I was stuck in a prison cell awaiting my execution. I, 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 I mean, you, you are using it to inspire your guys to go out and win a football game. But that's not what I'm talking about. That's what, what I was talking about. I wasn't talking about winning. I was talking about surviving. I was talking about just making it and enduring now, again, I don't want to get too critical over this because that's nice. But here's the thing you need to understand. If you take this verse out of context, you will miss the secret to finding contentment in this world. Because this is the key. Finding contentment, the ability to be okay on the inside, even when things on the outside are out of control. The ability, contentment, the ability to keep your composure, when all hell is breaking loose, when, when the doctor walks into the room and tells you a bad report, or your business or your marriage is about to tank, you can say, I have learned a secret of being content in any and every situation. And what's that secret? <laughs> I can do all things through Christ who gives me his strength, who puts his strength inside of me, who literally and supernaturally gives me the power to carry on. If I could, here at the end here, I just want to simplify this. So maybe it's easier for you to kind of walk away with it if you can. Here's what I'll do. Number one, write this down. I can't. I can't. But he can. And he can through me. That's the truth that Paul understood. I can't. I, well, I'm, I'm a pretty sharp guy. I'm pretty smart. I'm pretty capable. You know, I've got a great job. I've got a real nice car, wonderful family. got a sweet 401k that's just rocking right now. But when it comes to this problem, when it comes to this situation, I can't handle this. I can't deal with this but Jesus can that should be the next thought he can and how do I know that Jesus can because when Jesus carried his own cross up that hill and allowed himself to be crucified and killed for my sins that proved once and for all hey this is nothing compared to that he can handle it he can easily do that I can I can't I can't but he can and he can through me. He wants to do it through me. Maybe you're, you're single and you're just tired of being single. You're tired of the single life and, 
And, you, and so maybe recently, you know, especially during the pandemic, you were just lonely. You tried to not be single. You hooked up with some guy, shacked up with some guy, and it just made things much more worse in your life. And finally, you've kind of woken up, and you're like, man, i got to get out of this situation, and you've moved out. But there's a pull on your heart, and you're thinking about maybe I should go back or maybe we start over, you know. And it's because of loneliness, and you're just like, I just don't want to be lonely anymore. I can't. But he can. And he can through me. Maybe you're married, and uh, things have gotten difficult recently, you know. And it just seems like every time you, you hear the garage door open, or maybe you come home and you open the garage door and you roll in there, and uh, you, you're wondering... Who, who you're going to meet when you walk into the house because there's about three different versions of him and there are about three different versions of her and you're never really certain uh, who, who you're going to be running into on this, who, who you're going to be dealing with. And you think to yourself, God, God, I can't keep doing this. I can't keep doing this. I can't. And God's like, you're right, you can't. But I can. And I can through you. Maybe the doctor's given you the report, and it ain't good. And he's like, hey, you know, we can treat it a little bit. We can monitor it, but we can't, can't, can't cure it. And you're like, I can't do this. I don't think I can do this. But he can, and he can through you. And maybe you're hearing this, and you're just like, how? How is that possible? How does this work? And I think Paul would say, you know what, I, I don't know if I could explain it to you. Because it's a mystery. It's a mystery, but it's true. And the, and the truth is, is that because Jesus lives, and because Jesus lives in you, you can do all things through him who gives you his strength. Hope you believe that. I want to pray. Father, I, I just lift up uh, my church family, and I, I know that people everywhere are listening to this, and somebody out there is, is struggling and is hurting and doesn't think that they can make it and go another day. I pray that this word will get deep down inside of their heart, that you would plant the seeds of truth of this word, that yes, they can't, but with you, they can. Through you, you they can make it. And Lord, I pray that that would begin to sprout in their life tomorrow morning and that they begin to have hope and that supernaturally some power would begin to move into their life to help them put their next foot in front of the other and begin to move forward and to trust that you are going to get them through, that they can endure all things, that they can survive all things through Christ, God. Help my friends understand that there is a power, there is a mystery, we can't explain it, but it is true nonetheless that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is inside of these bodies. Help us to lean into that. Help us to remind ourselves of that. Help us to walk everywhere we go thinking about that and knowing that truth so that regardless of whatever circumstances we find ourselves in, that there can be peace. We can be at peace and say, you know what? I'm content. I'm content. Lord, help us to do that, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. See you next week, guys.